0: Chapter 23 of A Deal with the Devil. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Angelique G. Campbell, February 2019. A Deal with the Devil by Eden Philpotts. By and by degrees and beautifully less. I would willingly draw a veil over the last year of my grandfather's life, but I have set my hand to the pen and will not turn back, though nothing but grief and horror and the ghost of dead miseries haunt me as i write when the old man was about eight years old i put him into a blue sailor suit bought him a wooden hoop and took him to a new locality we left dawlish and went up to tavy bridge a pretty spot on dartmoor here i proposed staying for at least a month it now became necessary to regulate his hours see that he had fairly wholesome food and to keep him clean his memory had long grown an absolute blank. He put his little hand in mine, trotted about over the moors and through the country, and clamored first for a pony, secondly to be allowed to sing in the choir at a quaint old country place of worship. I did not see my way to gratifying either ambition. At Tavybridge. Bridge, Grandpapa speedily waned. He called me Granny now, and quite believed it was so. I addressed him both in public and private as Daniel, and let people believe that his parents were in India. Though I lacked the comfort and support of having a man in the house, to whom I could go with all my sorrows and anxieties, yet the loss was more than compensated by the relief of knowing that my ancient grandparent was now powerless to do further ill, either to himself or other people. But, strange to say, though absolute infancy now threatened him, his love for the sex was not even yet wholly dead, I well remember Grandfather coming to me, hand in hand with a little village maid of some six summers, and acquainting me with the fact that they were engaged. This is Bessie Wiggles, Grandma, said the venerable sufferer. I met her down by the bridge over the river, and I gave her sweeties and a kite, and she gived me a kiss for them, and we's going to be married, Bessie Wiggles and me, when we's grown up. I promised them they should be this was an attachment which really mattered nothing it kept grandfather out of mischief and made him part with at least a proportion of the deleterious rubbish he bought with his weekly sixpence of pocket-money i felt that two small stomachs might carry a load of toffee and other hard stuffs which most certainly upset one it was an idyllic engagement bessie wiggles came to tea constantly and grandpapa would talk with confidence of his future and the great things he should do when he was a man the children walked about the village hand in hand the villagers smiled and said it was pretty to see them then one day a herd of cows going to be milked knocked grandfather down accidentally and bruised him and terrified him to such an extent that he prayed i would take him away from tavy bridge instantly to some remote spot where there were no more cows he abandoned bessie wiggles without a murmur and i took him away to exeter he was rapidly approaching the age of five years or one hundred and nine and a half according from which scheme you looked at him my stay at the old cathedral city was even shorter than i had intended for grandfather got damp on a bleak december day and abstracted some almonds and raisins out of a cupboard when i was not by this combination of circumstances resulted for him in a bad attack of croup very foolishly and forgetting that in such a case appearances must be much against me i did not send for a doctor but contented myself with patting the old man on the back and giving him repeated drinks of eno's fruit-salt this i knew was not the right treatment for croup but what did it matter grandfather would certainly be perfectly well again in the morning after all his adventures this paltry childish ailment was not going to destroy him now i felt certain of that but unfortunately the landlady heard grandfather making a great deal of noise about two in the morning and being a mother she recognized the sound and was instantly up in arms to help me when she found i did not intend sending for a medical man she became both vulgar and offensive she accused me of fooling a helpless child's life away she said i know what it is to be a mother though you've forgotten it seems Ain't no sorts for a croup. Lord, you be daft, I should think. What would that poor lamb's moss say eh, if she knowed? I said, it's moss in heaven long ago. Probably she does know. I venture to think she would be quite satisfied with my treatment. Shame on eh, she answered. Or orphan, that makes it worse and worse. I guess she'd be no better than a baby farmer. Now then. Thereupon I declined further conversation, and gave her notice that I should leave that day week. She replied that it would be impossible for me to leave too soon for her, though her heart bled for the ill-used child, meaning my grandparent. Stung to anger, I was almost tempted to hint at the new scheme, but bitter experience and my better judgment told me such an action, taking into consideration the mental caliber of the woman, must be worse than futile so I bid her go to her room. She departed with the word of on her lips, and the incident terminated. Of course, grandfather was pretty right the next day, but disorders now gained upon him rapidly, and I know I was to blame for adding a good deal of unnecessary suffering to those last fleeting years of his life. His stomach aches, his rashes, his mumps might all have been avoided had I understood better the care of the extremely youthful, Everywhere I went, I heard expressions of open surprise that I, a woman of seventy-five, apparently, and a grandmother, should know so precious little about babies. And, of course, the old man was shriveling with such cruel rapidity now that my knowledge could not keep pace with him. When I understood the nature and requirements of a child of five, he was already four. By the time I grasped his needs at that age, he had sunk to three. We were at Bideford when I put him into short frocks and kept flannel next to skin and looked round for a second-hand perambulator. He was always ailing at this stage and frightfully fretful, owing to a complication of disorders. He had whooping cough and a slight touch of congestion of the lungs and measles and a sore throat. His teeth worried him terribly, too. God alone knows what was happening to them. The process put the poor old man to evident torment and to hear him say again and again oh genny my tooths is hurting me so would have made angels weep for all i know it did the celestial being who could gaze unmoved at daniel dolphin's sufferings during those last awful loathsome years of his earthly life would have been hard-hearted indeed and heaven must have pitied me a trifle too especially at bideford after i put him into short frocks when he was one hundred and nine and three-quarters when but three months remained before the climax he lost the art of walking and talking about the same time he seemed easy to manage without these accomplishments i certainly missed his childish prattle as it gradually dwindled and ceased but when command of locomotion slipped from him my work was much lightened as a young child he had been very trying now on the dawn of babyhood he enjoyed better health and got prettier to look at at least so it struck me indeed he gradually grew to be the dearest best-tempered little mite any woman ever loved and cuddled i thought how proud his dear mother must have been of him more than a century ago i also marveled that so bonny a babe should have blossomed into such a funny child and such an unsatisfactory man. Of course, I was led by appearances myself. Now, I could not revere the aged man. I danced on my knee and fondled and hugged. I could not realize that this blue-eyed, thumb-sucking, crowing, at kicking Adam was my grandfather. My imagination was not equal to the task of grasping these facts. I only know that we lurked at Basking Stoke three weeks, and then at Brixton, and that I lived night and day for grandfather as the sun sank to the setting. I took him for long rides in his perambulator and looked to his every want Enjoyed in his innocent, little, waning life. His curls went at Clapham Junction. The short, lanky locks of a year-old infant soon covered his bulbous skull. His proportions were those of tenderest youth. An awful expanse of brow and a triangular mouth had appeared. His nose had dwindled to a mere upturned lump, his eyes assumed the fatuous blear and blink of babyhood he gasped and he gurgled and jerked and panted and stretched out fat fingers to me he was always good-tempered to the last though his intervals of weeping grew longer and longer one thing he could never stand my singing when his first teeth were undergoing some unhallowed metamorphosis he had a succession of very bad nights and at such times Until I realized the facts, I endeavored to soothe him with musical lullabies, but I soon found my voice exercised a peculiarly irritating effect on Grandfather. He had not enjoyed it even in the past, so I ceased from vocal efforts and never sang again. Anon, we went to Kilbourne, when Grandfather had but one year left to live by the new scheme and rather more than five weeks by the old. Then he began to play with his toes. And that was the beginning of the end. End Chapter 23